Hi, I'm Chris from Azure. And I'm Galen from Azure. And you're listening to The Podcast. Good morning, Prog fam, and welcome to another episode of The Progcast. I'm your host, Dario, and either it's for a long time or, or it might be the, the very first um, Progcast episode that we record on the very day it's, it gets released. I oh, think, th- I think there, there were some, some of the, those episodes like uh, one and a half years back. Um, given the, is, this is episode number one hundred thirty-nine, um, yeah, I I don't remember anymore. I have to admit. Um, anyway, I'm super excited to have here back on the show for the second time, uh, Chris and Galen from Azure. Um, yeah, it's been also about one and a half years, or um, m- even more, that we had the pleasure to talk uh, to them with my. Uh, lovely uh, occasional guest co-host Rune Belsvigrenos. Um, when we met them at uh, Euroblast Festival 2019, but a lot has happened since then, and uh, I want to know everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, it's been pretty busy for us. Yeah, we got a lot to talk about in terms of um, things we've been up to since Euroblast. I did. That was really cool. I forgot when we, when we talked about this briefly when we were setting up. The logistics for the call it was pretty cool to remember like how we um just before we even played the set in Euroblast we came and we huddled with you and we talked um about like what we were going to play and the things we had in the line because at the time we just um we were essentially just put our red tail kind of like that was that was where we were in terms of our plans so we hadn't even dreamed of what we'd be putting out at the, at the time being now would we but I remember that that was sick I remember we distinctly told you that we were trying to liken our music um to like the certain games that we'd been playing, some of the music we'd been listening to. And I'd, I don't know how well we came across at the time, but it was definitely a good chat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually, uh, uh, I, I was listening back to this episode last night uh, in preparation, and uh, you guys said that uh, you were about to play um, six songs in your Euroblast set, and uh, <laughs> four of them would be brand new, and only two of them previously released. So I'm kind of kind of curious if you remember which songs uh, that were and if they ended up on the new album of Brian and Angel's Beaks, which is dropping on June 11, if I'm not mistaken. Absolutely. Yeah, that's dead yeah. on wrong. <laughs> and that's uh, also the reason that. why we decided to to uh, yeah meet up and catch up. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> yeah. do, do you guys remember what, what you were playing at Euroblast? Yeah, I think I think we've got a pretty good idea. Um, we definitely played... Yeah, so there's some songs. I guess we can just say the names of the songs. It's all good. Um, but of the singles we um, have already dropped for the new album, we definitely played um, a song called The Jellyfish, um, which we, we, we have footage of. Um, and it's pretty cool to see that we haven't changed that song at all since um, playing it live, how long ago that was. Um, That's a short and we, sweet one, right? <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of a, it yes. was nice to play that because we were at this, you know, it's a very progressive festival. With quite a lot of heavier bands there. Um, we come on and play this three-minute-long kind of like funky 
80s-ish like prog pop song <laughs> um, and people came away from that and they were like well I don't know if that belonged here but it was sick <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah we we played um, like part two of Amiotaku we did which yeah, isn't we, out yet we played Amiotaku part two that's, so obviously um, anybody who's following us the album. campaign they heard Amiotaku part one um, we didn't play that, but we did play part two. Um, and we played Mercy and Luster, didn't we, as well? Yeah. Um, so those were both... haven't dropped yet. Yeah, those are both songs which haven't even dropped from the new album. So yeah, that sounds about right. If we did six songs, then four of which were songs which hadn't even been released yet. We only did two songs which were already out, um, which is pretty crazy when you think about it. <laughs> I guess we thought maybe, you know, like we hadn't really played in Germany before, so even if there were people who'd heard of us there, it wouldn't matter as much about playing songs that were already out because it wasn't as much about playing songs people knew as as making a good impression. So obviously we always think, you know, the newest stuff is the most exciting stuff to us, which means we probably do a better job of getting the vibe across, <laughs> uh, especially to new fans, you know? Yeah. So, yeah but I actually really enjoyed that set. That was a good one. Um, I did. Can't wait to- I, I, I did too. Um uh still brings a smile to my face uh thinking back to this weekend and uh yeah bumping into you guys every now and then throughout the whole weekend and you always like were <laughs> gleaming with a with a big smile and uh, having such a great time that was so lovely um but uh something else you said in in the last interview which uh we released in at some point in november then i think november 2019 um was that you were expecting or you were kind of planning on dropping the new album early last year. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> we, what what we, happened? <laughs> Give us the rundown. Uh, I mean, we, we've been pretty like busy in general as well. Like we've had a lot of um, side projects and stuff which had been on the go at the time. And we'd basically come to the end of a side project. I think we said it in that interview, actually, we'd come to the end of another project we'd been part of for a while. So we'd, we still had to kind of re get ourselves back into the flow of being as your, as opposed to working with that other band. Um, so it yeah. did actually take longer than we anticipated to probably get back into the swing of. And then there are a few lineup changes and then we <laughs> planned on a slightly more ambitious release <laughs> than we were hoping for <laughs> in yeah. terms of just promotion. Yeah. Um, that didn't quite work out uh, as much as we'd hoped to make it happen. But like, I'm just glad it's finally coming out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I can um, imagine. Just, I just can't wait, I mean, honestly. You, you guys said back then like the, the, that the whole thing was already recorded and like, oh, yeah. everything and, yeah. and, and it was only like last last uh touches from gareth in the post-production yeah. <laughs> um, i think it's also like 2020 like was a particular it's almost like a blackout year in terms of like not only um, for you guys in groups of people because although there were times when the like rules eased up a bit it would have been really bad to try to bend the rules and try and fit things in where we could we'd rather have just waited until things were a bit more above board yeah. um uh, but yeah, like so, everything was recorded. But by, by the time you'd, you'd seen us at Euroblast, um, we had already recorded, for example, 
all of the main parts, all of the drums were recorded um, and like all of the um, demo pre-prog mixes were all done. Um, we did end up re-recording a bunch of guitars um, and Galen did a bunch of extra rhythm guitars, which sounded incredible, which we didn't have before. Um, like just a bunch of changes were made since then. But yeah, it was just a very long production time. And obviously we weren't able to travel to talk to, to Gareth. Um, and it would have been nice if we could, but yeah, we just, we were all busy and it, we spent a lot of extra time, but I think it was worth it because I absolutely love how it sounds. Um, and also, yeah, we wanted to wait till we could start, you know, meeting up and doing videos together and things like that. Um, and it's just not very fun, the idea of trying to promote an album when you're literally all kind of housebound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know yeah. that bands do that. I know that bands do have like the, you know, international online only rapport going on, but I just, I just would much rather, like, I don't know if you've ever saw it, but like, there have been times in the past when me and Galen have literally just vocally sung through the whole of Red Tail just before it dropped, like things like that. And you can't really do that online. It's much nicer to kind of promote things and kind of be in the same energy bubble whenever you can be. And 2020 would have just made that impossible, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to talk about the videos in a second, of course, as well. Um, and uh, about the sound, but uh, yeah, kind of... Um, wrapping up the, the the technicalities um and the the credits you mentioned the lineup changes um so um who's who's on the album apart from you guys <laughs> <laughs> so um on the record the drums were recorded by um a guy who's worked with us for a, like he did loads and loads of stuff with us he's a really cool guy he did a bunch of gigs with us cool um too he's called sam calder um who we met in brighton he was just like a phenomenal player so good at just nailing every single thing like that you could possibly imagine especially from our perspective because we were writing parts that you know although we understand the mechanics of like you know percussion writing sometimes we forget what's physically possible um <laughs> as do a lot of people who aren't you know solely drummers um sam just play it anyway <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was just a nice relationship right to have. Um, and then the bass was all played by um, Bella, who, again, just kind of like any parts that you'd come up with, Bella would just approach with this. Um, I don't know. It's just Bella played everything in a really melodic way. And it just really contributed. And there, there were a lot of things where even though, like, for example, if me or Galen had written a part, which was just, you know, maybe didn't really make the bass shine, it just kind of sat down and listened to uh, Bella's takes and they were just, I don't know, they just, like there were changes made as well. It just, something more idiomatic happened when we heard those takes being recorded and it just sounded really, really great. So everything Bella did, everything Sam did on the album is just so, so good. I'm so glad it was them who did it, you know? Yeah. Um, but yeah, we have had lineup changes since then just due to like what works for people and what we thought fitted and, you know, what people were able to commit to, things like that. Um, so yeah, it's but the, the rest. The, the rest is you, uh, the two of you, and um, both of you are handling guitars. And I guess uh, keyboards was uh, probably most most you mostly you, Chris, yeah. right? Um, but yeah. in the meantime, you also recruited uh, a keyboarder. <laughs> we did. <laughs> um, we have, which is really really cool because, like, you know, I can play like parts. But, you know, anything that's out of my zone, like I'll either just like program it or score it or play it in bits and then fix it. Because, you know, I can play, 
you know, nice rubato free time, easy parts on piano and they'll sound nice. But when it comes to playing tight mechanical synth parts, you know, that's never going to have been my forte. So the fact that we've got Shaz in now, Shaz like is someone who we've wanted to work with for a very long time. And there's always been kind of just clashes with schedules and maybe just like who, if, if it was going to be something worth pursuing. Um, but after Mistress like dropped, Shaz um, hit us up and said, guys, I've got to be involved. Which <laughs> 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 was, we were just like, yes, we were so happy because like I said, we wanted this from the start. And then Shaz sent us a bunch of recordings of him playing through a lot of the most difficult passages. And it was just mind blowing because Shaz wasn't just using the parts which we'd, we'd written, but arranging them in such a way that made them sound really fluid, like choosing all the most optimal parts to kind of stand out and also kind of using different sounds as well. It was mm. just really interesting and super, super exciting to hear someone, you know, bring those parts to life without actually changing the music, but just, you know, using different sounds, different um, blends to kind of, you know, invigorate them. Really, really cool. Yeah, you just mentioned Mistress, which was kind of the intermediate um, standalone single leading up yeah. to the hype of the new album and uh, came, came a bit unexpected and um <laughs> seeing that this this um this world you're creating i mean we talked about a lot about um uh writing uh music writing and story like putting stories into your music or wrapping the music around your storylines last time um mm. I think it's it's uh, safe to say that you guys are, or especially you, Chris, you you're you're really um, developing your own world and and lore there with uh, um, characters and uh, an own language, even right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, is Mistress also like? Is it in the same? universe than of brian and angel speaks or is it like a separate story like red yeah. tail yeah so like there are um elements to so we obviously we had the album in the bag by the time we were recording mistress um and there was a lot of lore concerning the amiotoko part one and part two which you guys will hear when the album drops um but like mistress the mistress is a character mentioned in amiotoko part one which is the first single of the album But we thought, you know, seeing as there's a lot of other things going on in that song, um, it would be really nice to just introduce this particular character who you're not sure, you kind of feel skeptical as to the allegiance of this character, whether they are, um, obviously they're powerful, obviously they are quite commanding, um, but you don't actually know a lot of the motives. And sometimes you feel like you're, you have to almost comply to what you're being told to do. And sometimes you feel like you need to you need to kind of stand up for yourself and be challenged this, this authority figure, whether it's a good one or a bad one. Um, and it was just nice to kind of establish that prior to releasing any songs involving the mistress, because um, otherwise I think it would have just gotten too complicated trying to, you know, with this exposition of characters all the time. So it was nice to just have a short standalone, uh, very dramatic song, which kind of basically summarized um, the like the capricious nature of this mistress and the desires that she might have, the, the way that you kind of just have to act to these whims. I don't know. It was it was a weird decision, but yeah, it's very much involved with the law. Um, 
we did talk about it prior, even though, because Galen sent me the first initial ideas for the music in Mistress when we were talking about writing that song. Um, and at first we were just kind of like, these, this, these, this music is sick. Galen sent me this particular guitar part that just kind of sounded like a dragon erupting from the sea, the way it built up and then just kind of <laughs> splashed about. I thought it was the most exciting thing ever. So it could have just been about dragons, honestly. Most, most of your music, when it's in music form, could just have been about dragons. <laughs> but um, it, took, it took a bit of sitting down and thinking, okay, what's actually a good decision here in terms of like useful lyrics? Now that we're talking about Mistress a bit, of course, we have to talk about that super fun video. Uh, ah, yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you talk about that one, Kayla. <laughs> Yeah, um, so it was hell, but it looked sick and it didn't cost very much. So that was good. Um, and it <laughs> Great summary. <laughs> but yeah, so we were just up just in, in the downs in Brighton by Devil's Dyke, which is just this big valley. Um, And when we went there to scope the location, it was the most beautiful day. And like, it looked like there was a sea of clouds in the valley because the fog was just hanging so low. And we had all these amazing ideas of like B-roll and story shots and stuff we wanted to do. Um, but then when the day came, it was just the most awful day. Like the, it, we were just getting destroyed by wind. Like the drum kit just kept blowing down the hill and it was, I couldn't even move my fingers for the whole thing because I've, I've got pretty bad circulation um, and it was just so cold. So I was just, I was just like moving the guitar around a lot in all the shots, just trying to make it look like I was, <laughs> like I was playing music because most, most of the time I just made sure that like the camera was on someone else. Um, halfway through the shoot, there was, there was, there really wasn't any footage of me actually playing any notes just sort of jumping around with my guitar. <laughs> so um, luckily there was this pub that was open and we just went in there and I just got myself like a coffee and a bowl of soup and I warmed up my hands like that. I sat in, sat in the car for a while, just warmed up, warmed up. And then I was like, right, we're going to go straight out there and record, a, record some shots before my hands freeze again. <laughs> um, so we just went straight out, record, recorded a couple of takes of like the solo and some of the hard bits. And then it was like, fine, Th there's, there's actual footage of this song being performed. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> um, and then by the time all that was done, like it was, we, we were gonna, gonna start shooting B-roll, but it was just so cold and so awful. And there were all these cows that were really menacing. Um, and we were just like, right, let's just, let's just see what we can do in the editing bay. And if we need to reshoot parts, we can. But in the editing bay, it was just everything looked so excited because it was so windy. Um, and that just helped sell the idea that the music was exciting, which it is. But, you know, like, you got to have a visual. <laughs> you got to have a visual. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you guys out there, just, uh, yeah, hop onto YouTube and check out Azur's Mistress video. And there's also a funny little making off video. Um. <laughs> edited by Galen um, expertly done by the way we haven't drawn enough attention to the fact that Galen is like a master video editor at this point well I mean I, I, I wouldn't say master but like I'm trying 
<laughs> I'm trying. <laughs> maybe, maybe like, maybe there are still like some technical things that you might think that you haven't mastered, but like in terms of the general like. Well, in in terms of <laughs> making the most of a bad situation, I think I think I've I'm I'm okay at cobbling together, <laughs> cobbling together some shots into something that looks like a music video. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, though. I do love it. Um, yeah, moving on to the upcoming album of Brian and Angel's Beaks. Um, as uh, we already established, there's there's a couple of <coughs> singles that are already out. Um, Amir Toko won the course, also had a pretty big, extensive um, music video. And it's I wish we'd done a making up for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, After... it's the longest song on the album, isn't, isn't it? <clears throat> It is the longest yeah. song in the album, yeah. So we were like, naturally, it has to be the first single. <laughs> <laughs> right on. <laughs> yeah, so the Amiataka one video was, again, a, an absolute logistical nightmare. We sort of tasked ourselves with this thing that we weren't quite sure how to do because none of us are really videographers. Um, and we spent about 400 hours on it. Um, And it was just, it, it was, it was very ambitious and uh, it's out there if anyone wants to see it. <laughs> that's, that's all I really have to say about it. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, we I'm, made I'm really proud that it exists. Like, yeah, things. yeah. <laughs> it took so long. We made this massive costume of, of just this moss monster we've we made like I, i we made this giant cloud that just never got used we we spent me and, me and my partner felix we spent forever just like building this giant cloud because in the song there's this cloud falling on raining on the main character and we thought we'd just fill it fill, fill this sheet full of helium balloons and just like attach like some cotton buds around the outside <laughs> Um, and I, I was so sure it would float, but like 20 hours of hand sewing stuff to this sheet later, and filling it all with helium. It just, it just did not float. So like, that got, that just didn't get used. It's still about, yeah. um, but yeah. And there, 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 there's, there's also the, the legend of the, um, What was the thing that you bought in this shop for 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 the mistress video? Oh, the hook, the hook, the hook, the hook. and the rope. <laughs> yeah. Yes, the, the rope that they didn't want to sell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's still that's still in the back of my partner's car. It's, like, it's just this stuff adding to the ever growing list of things acquired but not used for as your music videos. Like, <laughs> yeah, one day I... they'll all be used. <laughs> like with the cloud situation as well like because we were traveling out i arrived um to where we were going to shoot and we were about to travel to to where we were doing a lot of the shots um and the cloud was still packed and i sat this whole cloud on top of me <laughs> oh there's just photos of me drowning in a cloud that never got used in a car um so I think, yeah like i felt like i felt like i spent we The cloud was still very involved in spirit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you guys spent so much time making it. And then I got suffocated by it. 
<laughs> so yeah, it was still in our minds during the shoot. Probably yeah. really affected the. Yeah, <laughs> maybe that was it. Maybe it was just a method acting thing. Yeah, and I did. I made this giant egg, and the egg had no no relevance to anything at all. But like that was one of the first props we made. We, we I just spent spent a few days making this gigantic egg out of paper mache, and that's just still knocking about. <laughs> I don't know what we'll use that for. <laughs> we need to do like an arts and crafts with Azure video at some point. Um, yeah, really make this stuff worth it. <laughs> yeah, all right. We we talked a lot about the videos now. Let's talk about your mu the music. Um, there's there's a lot going on, and um, talking about the music, um, I have to say when 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 I uh, first heard about you guys actually from. My friend Rune, who said that you that he is totally in in love with your exuberant, unique style, um, and I saw you were gonna play Euroblast. Of course, I I, I checked your stuff out, and I thought, oh, well, yeah, that that is definitely unique, but I didn't really, you know, connect with it and didn't really mm -hmm. click. Um, and then I met you guys at Euroblast, and I saw your performance, which I enjoyed very much. But I still like, you know, there's there was still something that I did couldn't quite grasp uh for yeah. me personally um but the moment it finally clicked was last year when uh the moment i got the your red tail playthrough and um I, I it was late at night i was already in bed and i watch i was watching it on my phone uh because it was obviously meant to end up at the proc space online festival which it did and yeah. and i was just yeah, that was the moment when it clicked. Finally, clicked for me, and uh, awesome. uh, so um, yeah. Is there is there anything new sound wise that you um, that you incorporated in um, of Brian and Angel speaks um, during the songwriting compared to to your prior material? I think I think that's definitely like a very definite like sonic progression in terms of how we because with red tail for example it was kind of written around the same time as the wish for spring stuff but there was just a few like upgrades in how we kind of put it together and then by the time we had that play throughout there was more people involved for example red tail was mostly mostly like synth basses and things like that whereas with the red tail playthrough obviously we were a bit older a bit better at everything we did and we had um alex just playing the hell out of the bass on that as well, which really, really did bring that um, into a whole new zone. And what's cool about a Brian and Angel Speaks is that it is a, a separate period of songwriting, essentially, um, with you know some more stuff, like some more experiences um, under our belt in terms of like what we'd been up to and music we'd have been exposed to and gigs we've had to do with other projects, which probably influenced it. Um, and also the album now is like, um, like, different producer, um, real drums, like for the whole thing, real drums and live bass for every single song. Uh, and it's like, yeah, it's definitely got the most, yeah, it's got loads of people in it for every single song, as opposed to just like me and Galen and then occasionally someone else. Like it's like a full band for the whole album, as well as, like I say, a whole new era of songwriting for us. So it, yeah, it's like, definitely a huge a huge 
um, gap in terms of how, for example, the older stuff sounds and how this sounds like there are lots and lots of differences. Um, it's not a subtle thing at all. It's a lot more. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say it's a lot more guitar driven yeah. and um, a lot more complex and a bit darker, um, but just because we've been having some weird years, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, ultimately it's similar kind of, I mean, I say a bit darker, you'll hear it and it's, it, you know, it's still be a like lot of fun. Vibrant <laughs> vibraphones and sparkly synths. But like when we hear that, we're like, that's the dark album. <laughs> like, yeah, and the, the, yeah. Sorry, carry on. Okay. Oh yeah, no, but there's there's some really cool um, parts on it. There's there's a lot of guitar work that I'm really proud of because um, I got a lot better at guitar since previous albums. Um, I think I I was listening to it the other day, just like you know, you got to listen to your own material to check if it's still good. Um, <laughs> Or if you want to re like redact it and say no, yeah, I'm, just, I'm not want to go. <laughs> you can you can do it, whatever. I'm, um, but yeah, and I, I I just realized that almost every song bar one has a guitar solo, so it's just completely <laughs> guitar driven compared to the older stuff. Mm. Um, and also, there's some fretless guitar on the first track. Um, there's there's just all sorts of stuff going on. Um, a lot, a lot of like experimental experimentation technically for me um, in the solo specifically, but it doesn't get too in the way of the songwriting and the general vibe. But yeah. like, it, it was good to have a lot more, um, a lot more freedom to make it a guitar album. Yeah, and so so it's definitely not the Chris Sampson project featuring Galen Stapley anymore. <laughs> not so much. <laughs> nah, like this as well. Like although there is a lot of synths going on, like it's they are like as well because of the way that like Gareth came in with the mix. Because if I was mixing it, it would just be like so synth heavy. It would be so aggressive still. Um, but I think that it's. I'm so glad that it isn't that way because like these songs are just there's like electric guitar all the way through like basically all of them and it would just have been stupid for it to have all been buried this time especially with like how it sounds uh, and also now because Galen's just like uh, we've just put out the pre-orders for the tab book which is like this like 200 oh, yeah. extensive tab book which, like with very 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 like accurate um, tablature for all of the songs um, so it's Pretty, it's a pretty good thing that it's got a guitar heavy album because if you're looking at all of this notation you want to want to be able to hear it. <laughs> yeah um yeah it's it's cool uh, like what was really good is um we still kept the sort of like in terms of the solos we kept it um to being you know recording writing them as you record instead of um writing them pre-composed beforehand like we do with a lot of the riffs and stuff because we, we usually score all the music in Sibelius and then mm -hmm. go about just sort of playing it and recording it um, but for the solos we still leave we, we just sort of give ourselves a sort of blank canvas to do stuff and then which is which is good it saves it, it, it means you can do more sort of exuberant things rhythmically but um mm. When it came to tabbing it, it was a complete nightmare because <laughs> like there's just so many strange rhythms going on that 
it it took forever but i'm i'm so happy i I made that um just because it's cool to have yeah, I ha- I have a bit of a controversial question here. Well, well, yeah, I I I think I have an idea how you you're gonna react. But uh, there was there was one instant I think it was in the Red Tail playthrough when you, the two of you are sitting next to each other and playing some ridiculous stuff, both of you on the guitar, and I'm 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 just like, well, there's two sick guitar players in that band, so ridiculously talented, isn't that that kind of like too much talent for one band? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's not controversial. That's just a nice compliment. <laughs> <laughs> no, just knowing how humble you guys are, uh, I, I thought, uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I, I wasn't sure how you're going to take it, if you're going to like brush it off and say, nah. <laughs> Honestly, like for me growing up, like I always wanted to be do- doing more singing. But like in this, the like music scene, the small music scene that I was possibly a part of like where I was growing up, I thought I was like this hot shot guitar player. So I was like, oh, I have to play guitar loads like, instead of wanting to sing loads. Uh, but then when I moved to Brighton and I met Galen, I was like, oh, sick. Someone better than me. <laughs> now, you can, now you can do the lead guitar and I can focus on singing. <laughs> yeah. And I thought the other way, because I, I, I always thought Chris was better than me. So I just um, oh, man. Chris could pick better than me when we first like started hanging out. And that freaked me out. Um, <laughs> So I, I very quickly just sort of got in the practice room and spent just so many hours being like, oh, God, I've got to... Because Chris would just write these parts that I just couldn't play um, <laughs> at all. Because <laughs> um, Chris's picking is just like so on it. Um, so I just had to spend so long just like getting up to speed so I could keep up. Um, but yeah, we, we we keep each other on our on our toes like even even with the new stuff we're writing there's yeah. a um there's re- the new stuff that's not even out yet mm-hmm. um not, not of brandon angel speaks but stuff after that there's this riff that's just so fast and i've just that chris wrote and i'm just like oh i've got to i've got to learn that now and i've been practicing that for weeks finally got it but god it took forever <laughs> all right um I've got one more question um, before we wrap this up uh, concerning the music and the style you you guys um, developed. And um, you were already mentioning there's a lot of solos and stuff, uh, a lot of synth, but still a lot of guitars and all that. And yeah. uh, particularly um, when looking um, or listening to the solos and just the fact that there's so many solos and stuff, um, it's it's kind of you guys are kind of doing the opposite than a lot of modern prog metal bands are doing. Uh, seeing like you know, Lepra's, uh they didn't really have a guitar solo in four albums. Feels <laughs> like, um, and um, yeah, it's kind of out of fashion and all all this you know old school prog metal stuff. I know Chris, you're you're a big fan of of like you know the traditional progressive metal um from the 90s and uh of course synth wise oh, that's yeah, that's yeah. the 80s is is the the go to period <laughs> um yeah. uh but yeah what what makes you um get excited about this stuff that like a lot of your peers um 
are kind of shying away from or or saying ah, we we we're not interested in that anymore. Um, I feel like I could probably summarize quite well the things that I I definitely want to be in the music. I don't know how well we execute it, but like I think it's really cool to although you like pre-compose like Galen was saying before like a lot of stuff pre-composed and scored um, on Sibelius or whatever. There's a lot of ideas which definitely like rhythmically just they are a fact. They're cemented. And they're written but once um, we want to include things like vocals and like lead guitar parts uh, it's because all of our songs or most of our songs are really narrative based it's so difficult sometimes to capture every single kind of strange um kind of like capricious emotional strange like movements you want to wiggle about a bit and you can't really do that when everything is so regimented um because you get kind of like you get a bit bound to the grid when you do things um, when you're constantly spending all that time in the door or on, or on a scoring software. Um, and sometimes you just need to get yourself like that backing, get yourself that environment to write your lead parts in. And then you just need to kind of take on the character role and just, like I say, like wiggle about a bit <laughs> using your, your lead instrument of choice um, and just see where that takes you. And I love, there's a lot of old prog bands. There's a lot of old, bands in general where suddenly like a, a saxophone or a guitar or a vocal, like just a wailing vocal will just suddenly surprise you. And it'll just hit you with like a strange cascade of notes that you can't actually, you don't think about it harmonically. You don't think about it as a motif or anything. Sometimes you just get blasted with like music, <laughs> like this lead music. And I think that that has a massive quality in itself that a lot, like you say, a lot of bands don't do it as much. I still love all the riffs. I love all of the kind of, rhythms that people get hooked on now when there's like oh I listen to that new drum part in this new song or whatever but I do also just really really love the crazy like exciting strange melodies that come out of nowhere and you don't hear them again they just they just happen and then they're gone um and that kind of stuff really excites me <laughs> I don't know I just love that stuff I think I don't know it's like a flash of lightning like all right I, yeah yeah I, I think the real reason is we just like to do it <laughs> um like we that's the main reason because we just we're not really here to make music for anyone other than ourselves well yeah um i mean like the fact that anyone likes it is fantastic obviously <laughs> but it's just like we we just like i love playing guitar chris loves playing guitar mm. love playing silly solos and singing wailing notes and yeah power metal riffs and just whatever whatever we just feel like doing we do basically <laughs> um and that's just that's just it i wouldn't i wouldn't want to have to change it um to fit a mold of what's popular and there's nothing wrong with what's popular because things are popular for a reason because it's good and people like it and but like it's just what we want to do yeah great yeah we're we're reaching the end of the interview and as you guys know there's a little section at the end that we call what's in your walkman so i'd <laughs> love to ask you what you've been listening to lately oh man that's a pretty good question um i was gonna say actually like um there are a couple of bands who um i was listening to i think it was i, I listened to a lot of pain and salvation at the moment um, I know it's cool because you did the, the sickest um, like segment with them a while back with Daniel at least. 
with which a, I absolutely with a love. discography rundown. <laughs> yeah, yeah oh, man, <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Pain of Salvation. Um, so that's that's always on my Walkman. <laughs> um, I mean, like, yeah, it's kind of scary. Like, there there are things like I want to say, but I'm just like, do I say on on a prog on a prog talk thing? Like, no. Hey, we we had uh, you know um, last year I had um, Adam Warren from Kairos on, mm. and he said uh, that was the time when the. When that new Dua Lipa uh, album dropped, uh, and she said he's absolutely loving it. And yeah. actually, last week we had the guys from Frost on, and also Nathan King, uh, the bass player from Frost, said, "Yeah, he also is digging that Dua Lipa song." So you, you can you can say actually whatever you want. We're, as I love to say, we're not the gatekeepers of Prague here, even though there's a big Prague in our name. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'll I'll go first and I'll quickly say then uh, the a lot of what I'm listening to always is all of Iron Maiden's discography. I'm listening to a lot of Cocteau Twins at the moment, um, and I'd say that I'm still listening to a lot of Disaster Piece at the moment as well. Um, so that's kind of like video game music, for lack of a better word. <laughs> Galen, what about you? <laughs> I've been listening to um, Eric Johnson, just so many Eric Johnson live shows, so many Alan Holdsworth live shows, Sean Lane live shows, um, and Patricia so, Taxon, and that's about <laughs> it at the moment. So the, the um, three guys is like your holy trinity of guitarists. Or <laughs> yeah, I love them so much. Like, especially when I need to get ready to, like, play a gig, because um, you've got one coming in a few months and I need to get my chops back on. Like the only thing that sort of gets me, gets me in the right headspace to, to play some good guitar is I've just got to listen to some Alan Holdsworth, some Eric Johnson and some Sean Lane. <laughs> um, and then uh, just Patricia Taxon, she's amazing. Um, she's just this incredibly prolific electronic music producer. And she just, she, she puts out about like, 10 12 albums a year and they're all just so interesting so many different styles so many different approaches so just so much going on musically so much going on thematically with her stuff like it's it's terrifying her output over the last four years it's so so good um so yeah patricia taxon you should check her out all right um, yeah, I'm. I'm gonna um, mention again. Uh, give a shout out again to the Icelandic weirdos of Ask the Slave. I already uh, mentioned them uh, in the last episode with the Frost guys, um, but their new album, upcoming third album, uh, "Good Things, Bad People," or was it the other way around? It's <laughs> uh, <laughs> just so unique and weird and crazy and amazing uh, that I think uh, all you guys who love your prog a bit weird and over the top, which is also kind of the uh, people who might be digging Azure, they also might be digging uh, Ask the Slave. All right, guys. Um, yeah, of Brian and Angel's Beaks by Azure coming on June 11th. And yeah. uh, you guys should check it out. It was uh, such a pleasure to um, catch up with you guys and 
to hear uh, what you've been up to since the last time you've been on the podcast. Same with you, man. It's really good to talk to you always. Um, thanks for having us. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. And um, yeah, all the best with the release of the album. And um, then as uh, things are looking like they're finally getting uh, uh, better, um, yes. I really hope you guys are going to be able to play live shows soon and uh, tour your asses off. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, when the, album drops, when the album drops, hopefully you guys will be able to see the songs you like. Um, <coughs> <laughs> but yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. All right. Thanks guys out there for listening. And as always... Take care of yourselves, take care of your loved ones, and listen to great music. Progcast is a Stuus Media podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Progcast Podcast. To learn more about Stuus Media, check out stuusmedia.com. Progcast is hosted and produced by Daria Albrecht and myself, Randy M. Salo, and is co-produced by Janine Stengel-Lewis and Blake Lewis. Our theme music is by This Is Not An Elephant. New episodes of Progcast drop every Monday and Thursday. See you next time, Prog fam. Progcast.